This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. You've heard the phrase, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Let's talk about what happens when our competitors decide to imitate what we're doing to make our businesses successful. I think you're probably referring to our guerrilla pin warfare concept that we started about nine months ago. The idea was very simple. Flood all the restaurants with pins. Very simple Integra branded pins. No phone numbers. We just wanted logo branded imprint. And we bought really good pins with like a stylus on the end that people would want to keep that the wait staffs would want to use. They're not cross pins. We're not crazy. They're good marketing pins, but they do have the stylus like Tanya's saying, which is really cool because things have gone digital. You got wait staff with little iPads or devices taking orders. And so we did that. We made a decent investment. And then our community relations director made these neat little buckets and put these things out in the restaurants and it just flooded the market. And by the way, it got a little more expensive than I originally thought because they ran out of pins a lot faster than I projected they were going to run out of pins. But we started going around and different folks, obviously, that work with Integra and different people started sending us little snapshots. Hey, Integra pin and the bucket. And so it really took off really quickly. And we infiltrated the market. I was so pumped and so excited. And then we got word just in the last few weeks that a competitor has basically took the pins out of our little pin bucket at one of the restaurants and replaced them with their pins. I thought this was going to happen within like the first 60 to 90 days of us doing this. So I find it fascinating that it took eight or nine months for somebody to do this. I'm with you. I agreed that that was going to happen. We we're going to start a pin war. Something was going to happen, and, but it didn't. And we made it to this point. And now we kind of figured out that there's a couple of restaurants in town that we had put pins at. We didn't necessarily write that account. It was actually written by a competitive agency that wrote that account. So it's kind of like we got on their turf. So now we're having turf wars and pin wars all combined into one thing. And it's a little fun in some ways, but it does bring up This whole idea of imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And what's the reaction? What's the response? What are you doing about that when you feel like somebody has stolen your idea? I just want to say they bought cheap pins that don't particularly even work really well. That is the first thing when you look at somebody that is copied your idea or trying to imitate what you're doing. Very rarely is the imitation as good as the real thing. Think about all of the AirPod imitation products in the world. Like they are not the same thing. They are so not the same thing and they do not have the same quality and they don't last as long. And the originals, the OGs are extremely good when it comes to product. And there's a reason why they were the first to market. In the early days of marriage, a member of our two-person household that was not me decided one day on the grocery order that because of the cost of breakfast cereal, Fruit Loops, which was my favorite breakfast cereal at the time. Are you a person that keeps the cereal in the box or do you have a container that you pour the cereal out into? I probably haven't eaten cereal in 15 years. But I will say when they added blue Fruit Loops to Fruit Loops, it totally messed up the flavor for me. Okay. So I haven't eaten cereal in a long time either, but 
my wonderful, beautiful, lovely wife is a container person. And so, you know, I'm going to get some cereal one evening and I poured some cereal. I went to eating and these things, these Fruit Loops tasted awful. I mean, awful. And they were terrible. And I'm like, man, this is a bad batch of Fruit Loops. What happened? And she's like, I cannot believe that you can tell the difference. And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, I bought Lupo's. So that she bought the generic version of Fruit Loops, not the Kellogg's Fruit Loops, but the Lupo's version of generic brand. Imitation, terrible, not good. And I have a really, really deep passion for this whole concept of being copied and expecting that the copy is going to be as good as the original. And when it comes to marketing, there are really no new ideas. You know, everything's probably been done in some form or fashion. However, doing something new in your marketplace, doing something different in your marketplace, it's actually fun to figure out the new stuff. Looking at it from the side of being the disruptor, if you're the new guy in town, if you've just started your agency, or if you've been a captive agent and you've just opened your independent agency, don't do the things you've always done. It's not gonna work the same way. Figure out what you can do that is new and fun and different and fresh, and that is going to be so much better for you long-term owning your own thing than buying the cheap pins. One of the more thought-provoking, fun things that I've done was a result of some wise advice several years ago. And when we would travel and we would go somewhere, we always went on an anniversary trip or we always went somewhere, maybe it's a carrier conference, and we would go to different parts of the country. And one of the pieces of advice I received from a very wise, older gentleman that I really, really hung on to was, Hey, take a look around at what's happening in that part of the country and see if it's missing where you are. If you really want to look for business ideas, which I love to do, not that I'm going to do them, but I like to think about business ideas and look at new business ideas and think about it. And it's kind of the same thing. If I go out to Seattle, Washington, and there's something going on there and that has not made it to my market area, is there something that would really work here that works there that not here yet? I kind of take that same thing. It's a little bit of imitation, right? But it's imitation in a different way. It's imitation by bringing something new to the marketplace, which I think fits what you're talking about in what you're talking about. Hey, that can be disruptive. If you find something going on in one area, one marketplace, and you can bring it back to your marketplace because it hasn't hit yet, then you can be a disruptor with that marketing concept. I love stuff like that. I think it's really cool. The guerrilla warfare pin strategy was extremely low tech form of marketing when everything was going high tech. That's why it's worked is because it's a very old school concept that's been sort of dropped left. Who does pins anymore? Nobody does that. So we just brought it back and we did it in a different way. It wasn't here's a pin. It was what if we circulated 10,000 pins or several thousand pins across our market area? What would that look like? Different strategy. So looking at our pin situation, choosing how to respond versus how to react. I think it's kind of one of those key things. You didn't call up the owner of the agency that decided to throw our pins away and put their pins in the Integra bucket, which, by the way, is the craziest thing from a marketing perspective that you would ever put your product in another company. Anyway, you chose to not react to that. You were just like, whatever. Okay. 
keep in mind, I might have reacted quietly, okay? But I chose to respond publicly, yes. Two different approaches there. Reaction and responding, totally different. If you are reacting, then you are emotional. Reacting to something is an emotional thing. Responding, on the other hand, is calculated. It's methodical. It's thought out. And whether or not you choose to respond is a decision to be made in the first place. Do I even need to respond to this? And so, yes, reacting was, no, we're not going to react. We try not to react to anything. And then it's, does this deserve a response? And the answer ultimately was no. We've got their attention. That was enough. That's all I needed. When your competitors pay an attention, now you've distracted them from the prize. Now we're winning the game because if your competitor is paying attention to what you're doing and they're worried about what you're doing, then they are not focused on their business. And that in and of itself is a pretty good marketing tactic. I had a longtime mentor that told me in the radio business, in the broadcast industry, you never ever acknowledge that anyone else exists. And that's the key to being number one. And you knew that somebody was number two or number three or number four or whatever, if they are coming after you, if they're mentioning you, if they're saying something negative about you, then you know that you're the best because they're saying things about you, but that you never, ever, ever acknowledge a competitor. Growing up, I had a rule because of coaches that we were not allowed to watch the other team warm up. It was a rule. It was an unwritten rule. It was built into the mindset of us as athletes from a competitive standpoint. Do not give that competition across the field. Do not let them see you looking at them. Because if you're spending time watching your competitor warm up before you're going to play the game, you're not focused on what you need to do in the game itself. This is why this is carried on. We've talked about being even kill. We've talked about having this mindset of if our business was a baseball team, you couldn't tell whether we were winning or losing. If it's the third inning, if it's the seventh inning, if if it's the bottom of the ninth, that this even kill approach allows us to have this calculated response mindset versus an emotional reaction mindset. Emotional reactions are sprint reactions. They're immediate short-term reactions and they don't do for your business what your business needs. And you're going to have them. You're a human being. So you're going to have that initial emotional response response. At the point that you're having that step away from your laptop, put your phone down, go to your happy place, whether whatever that is, go feed the ducks and then get over it and respond rationally. I mean, everybody's going to have an emotional response, but it's just better to not have it out loud. Coming from a place of experience of doing it wrong in the early part of my business life, I was not this guy. I was emotionally reactive to things. And let me tell you what it did. It stumped us. It caused us to lose momentum. We started looking at the competitor and we started focusing on how dare that person or that organization copy us. How dare them to take our idea. And every time 
we did that. We lost our momentum. We took our eye off the prize. It slowed us down and market share loss followed. On multiple occasions, we were an early first mover in various things in various markets. And then we got reactionary and then we got emotional. And then we started watching the competitor. And then we started saying, they can't do that. Oh my goodness, what are they doing? And we lost it. And the next thing you know, the competitor has passed us up when we had a head start. And that's really at the core of what I want to caution agents for today is don't take your eye off the prize. I introduced my husband to Simon Sinek's book that we discuss on the podcast a great deal, The Infinite Game, on a recent trip. We were listening to it in the car and we got to the story where Simon had been to a Microsoft conference and they had given him a Zune. And At the next conference, he was at Apple's big event, and he's in the limo with one of the execs from Apple. And he decides to dig a little bit, and he makes a comment about the Microsoft Zune and how great it sounds and and all such things. And, And the exec from Apple's response was, I'm sure it is. And it was nothing emotional. You know, we probably have listeners that have never even heard of a Zoom. I had not heard of a Zoom until I actually listened to that very exact thing in the book. And the commentary on that was, you're not always going to have the best product. You're not always going to have the best in our world price. No doubt you're not going to be at the front of the line. And how are you still going to compete when that happens? And that is, again, an example of taking your eye off the prize. Apple, their eye was on a very specific thing. And Steve Jobs, that was one of the things, obviously, that he was fantastic about was design, how design wins and how to stay focused on what you do and not worry about what other people do. And that example and that story is so critical to relate to our insurance agencies. So what happens when you have a great idea and it doesn't work? Uh, See if you can sell it to your competitor. (laughs) (laughs) Great ideas sometimes aren't executable. And that's a really hard lesson I've learned. It's very frustrating because you know the idea itself is fantastic. I've been emotionally tied to an idea before. And I just couldn't get it to work. And we have to be willing to kind of disconnect on the idea stage from that emotional attachment that says, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We are so passionate about what we do that we also will take it personal when that idea doesn't really work out. And we will get so engulfed in that that we can't really see past it. The maturity of the marketing person, marketing concept, is to understand that not all ideas are going to be home runs. They may be a strikeout or they may just be a single. They may not be a grand slam. Sometimes you and I will toss a phrase back and forth that my husband coined. People that have the best ideas sometimes have really bad ones too. They they do. It's okay. We don't have to bat a thousand. You're not going to bat a thousand. And what does it take to get in the Hall of Fame? 300, 330, 320. These are major statistics. I mean, I'm sure you want to bat a little higher than that on the marketing side because it can get expensive if you don't. But it's really easy to get caught up on the emotional side of things. When your good ideas are good and they're working, well, then you better expect somebody to copy it and imitate it. Just don't take your eye off that prize. 
And your goal is to stay in the game. Your goal is not to try to win the game in this particular case with your business. Your goal is to stay in the game. I have people ask me all the time, what is the best way to market my business? How do I come up with ideas? Where do I find them? Person A is doing this. Person B is doing this. Person C is doing this. The first thing that I will say to them is stop. Because for every single moment or 30 minutes or hour or two to three hours that you have spent studying what your competitor is doing are two to three hours you could have focused on yourself. Now, should you know what other people in the marketplace are doing? Absolutely. But I think people spend too much time focusing on other people rather than on themselves. Completely agree. From an agency network, agency group standpoint, I have awareness of the competitive world out there. I can't speak to the details of the program. Number one, I don't want to. I've had recruiting directors or folks in the past that really got caught up in what somebody else was doing. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. We're doing what we do. And there is a group of people out there that we're searching for that fit our culture, that fit the model. There are models out there in the agency, either network or franchising world that are centralized service models. In other words, you sell, 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 and they provide you a centralized servicing group that takes care of all your servicing stuff. Okay, fine. There's a group of agents that are interested in that model. And that group of agents that don't ever want to have really deep client relationships, that don't want to service the business, they know that their weakness is servicing and they just want to sell, 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 and they don't want to manage people, then maybe that model's for you. But I can tell you that person's probably not for us because that's not our model. And that's okay. We became better instantly when we learned that not every agent prospect for our group was a good fit for our group. Within our organization, just like we talk on the podcast, we think that relationship building is so incredibly important. And we don't do a hard sell, just like we encourage our partner agents not to do a hard sell. We want to inform, we want to educate. And if someone makes the decision they want to join our group, then that's fantastic. If they decide to go someplace else because they need something else, then that's okay too. And I think that building that relationship, uh, sharing the knowledge, educating our prospects is the reason we've never really had a successful agent go anywhere else. No, because we talk about coming in the front door, whether we're the right fit. We probably talk more about whether we're the right fit for them than anything. Is this a place that you can see yourself retiring? We use the marriage analogy a lot in our conversations with prospects. We approach our relationship like marriage and nobody goes into marriage going, well, try it on. I don't know if I love you. I'll figure it out along the way. That's not what we do. That would never happen in a marriage. We're not going to do that in our relationship starting out with prospects either. The first time that I ever heard you in an interview say, we don't shack up. I was just rolling internally and I was just, I was doing that. Don't snort. I did. I, I used, I didn't, it just came out. Like I used it in a prospect call and, and I was trying to make the analogy and my East Texas terminology come out and I was like, we're either a good fit for you long-term or we're not. We don't shack up. I remember that. 
the eyes cutting to me like, did you just really <laughs> say that? Did you just tell this prospect? That's the way we approach it. It's okay. But I think that's what we are encouraging our listeners. That's the kind of relationship that you want to have with your customers. You don't want to check up. No. You don't want to sell a monoline policy. You want to be in a long-term marriage style relationship with your customers. You do because look, nobody makes money rewriting a policy. You may be retaining revenue, but you're also spending money on that rewrite. I know we have to do it. I know it happens in market conditions like right now. I get it. But you don't want to be in the business of churn. Monoline policies equal churn. Being able to go in and become the full-time agent and being able to go in and have this really long-term relationship with your clients, it's a lot easier to say, I think I'll take the increased revenue and servicing them myself or hire people to service them because now you can afford to do that because your policy per customer is two and a half instead of 1.3. Talking about response versus reaction, in this hard market, we may have customers leave. Yes, you may have customers leave. If you're looking across at the competitor, well, what's the competitor doing? Am I doing what I need to be doing? That's the thing. Am I looking at the wrong thing? Am I focused on something else? Or am I putting my energy into my business? I know we don't want to lose business. It's harder to grow when you're losing business. But the reality of the marketplace, a hardening market, is that no matter what effort you put into it, there is a percentage of the business in a disruptive market that you're going to lose. And so what are you doing to recover that? Are you being a disruptor at the same time? Or are you pulling the covers up over your head and crawling up into a fetal position and trying to focus on hanging on to what you have? Are you hunkering down or are you pursuing? And I believe it's time to pursue. If you singularly focus on your retention and you don't focus on being a disruptor in a balancing way, then you're in a net loss versus a net gain situation. We have an agent and I absolutely love his marketing idea on this and he's done it for years, but he sends $1 scratch off tickets to each of his clients and each of his clients' children on their birthdays. Those clients call him and say, you just sent my kid this dollar scratch off ticket for their birthday. They absolutely loved it. Those clients aren't gonna go anywhere over a $30 increase. Think about what you're doing to build the rapport, to build that full-time client and doing things like that, remembering their children, remembering birthdays. And I'm not talking about an automated email that goes out on somebody's birthday because that drives me nuts. I mean, I think I got something like 200 emails on my birthday that were automated and that didn't mean anything to me. But when somebody remembers that it's my dog's birthday, then let me tell you, I am their client for life. Because that did happen, Shane, by the way. <laughs> you just went down this path. Everybody in our house knows our dog's birthday too, except me. I get it. There's things that are really important to people that aren't necessarily important to you. And that's some of the marketing thing that you can grab a hold of. We've talked in this business for years one of the old strategy is this lifetime client strategy. And one of the things that will capture a lifetime client is something unique and thoughtful, just like you're talking about. 
I don't know what situation it was that you got a birthday card for your dog, but you're probably still doing business with them if they're still in business. Figure out where people are. I don't know if you have you ever seen the movie Phenomenon with John Travolta? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And there's a line in this movie where he says, find her chairs, because Travolta has been has been trying to woo this girl by buying these chairs that she makes. And I use that phrase in my head all the time. You know, what is this person's chairs? Wherever you are trying to build your business, think about your customers and find their chairs. Client focused is always the the place you want to land. And again, that goes back to what are you paying attention to? Are you focusing on this competitor who's imitating you or are you focusing on your client, your business, your thing? And I think that's where I want to encourage agents to go. There's a million ideas But at the same time, you have to find the thing that you're passionate about or the thing that will connect you to your customer, not what somebody else is doing. And quit worrying about what other people think. Quit looking at the competition. Quit watching them warm up. I'm going to leave us with this quote from Steve Young. The principle is competing against yourself. It's about self-improvement, about being better than you were the day before. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.